0: There's a story in the Bible about Elijah that he believed for rain, though the sky was clear. He had his servant look again and again. Seven times there was nothing to see, but Elijah prayed and trusted and prayed. Then the report came back. I see a cloud on the horizon. I see a cloud. Did you hear about the move of God in the Hebridean revival? where two old women resolved to pray and the land was changed. The church was dying with nothing to celebrate, but God broke in and moved. People far from God flooded in, farms and looms were silenced as people suddenly and strangely considered God. For a long time the sky was blue, but then they saw a cloud. It's amazing to think about, it encourages our hearts and that's all fine, but what about here? Could this be the time? Did you hear about the move of God in Azusa Street? Where they preached about gifts of the Spirit though they had no experience of them? Seeing nothing, they continued to believe and contend, and then the Spirit moved, and the church shook under the power of God as tongues and healings broke out like a flood. The sky was blue, and then they saw a cloud. It's amazing to think about. It encourages our hearts, and that's all fine, but what about here? Could this be the time? Did you hear about the move of God and the Great Awakening? where Jonathan Edwards preached the gospel to a dry and dying church. Famously, with no charisma and a monotone voice, he read from his dense theological notes, but the spirit just fell. People shook and cried out to God under the weight of his presence and the conviction of sin. And it rippled through America as the church was changed. The sky was blue and then they saw a cloud. It's amazing to think about. It encourages our hearts and that's all fine, but what about here? Could this be the time? Did you hear about the English revival where Whitfield and Wesley travelled the land preaching the gospel in open air to crowds of 50,000 at a time? The spirit moved, people responded in their thousands and the nation was literally changed. Did you hear about the move of God among the Jesus people, where surfers and hippies met and responded to Jesus in their thousands? Did you hear about the move of God in Toronto, where people started shaking and falling over under the power of God, where airports had to charter more flights to accommodate the people and the fire just spread through the world? Did you hear about the move of God in the first century? Where Peter preached and 3,000 responded in a day? Where the church exploded under the worst persecution? Did you hear about the move of God in the Welsh Revival? Where Evan Roberts travelled through the Welsh Valleys preaching the Gospel and over 100,000 people came to faith? Where pubs were emptied as people responded with glad hearts? Clear blue skies with nothing to show, but then someone saw a cloud. It's amazing to think about. It encourages our hearts and that's all fine. But what about here? Could this be the time? God, our hearts are hungry. Our need is great. We've gathered together to call on your name. We feel the poverty of our attempts to build. Nothing means anything unless it is filled with your presence, with your power. Oh God, let this be the hour. Because unless you build the house, we toil in vain And so we cry out again and again, O oh God, how we long for rain We're desperate for you And though the sky might be clear with no cloud in sight We'll stand in hope as we watch the skies We'll keep on looking again and again, keep on seeking, keep on praying Keep on listening for the sound, for those words I see a cloud come like a flood come like torrential rain from above come move among us with power to save drench us stir us don't leave us unchanged God would you come and do it in our day and oh that somebody about us would say did you hear about that move of God it's amazing to think about it encourages our hearts and that's all fine but deep down, this is our cry. Oh God, let this be the place. Let now be the time.
1: So I saw that uh, video about five years ago, maybe even longer. And uh, I, I said to God, if ever you ask me to preach on 1 Kings 18, that's the video I want to start with. And uh, so we're going to be preaching on. There is a cloud over these last couple of months. I've just been praying for individuals and just saying there's a cloud. The rain's coming, there's freedom coming. And um, I just felt as though God wanted wanted me to just to share today on 1 Kings 18 and 19, and and I'm not gonna look at all of it. But imagine we're kind of 20 minutes in, 40 minutes in, however long, and we're at the end. And, And at the end of my preach, and I'm just saying, Let's ask Jesus for God's word for us now. What is he saying? Although the cloud may be small, I I see my circumstances, and I I can't see what you're doing, but I know, God, that you're proving that you're the God who comes through. And uh, this is, I imagine you now, just at the end, just receiving from the Lord right now. And you're saying, I see God, my cloud. I see the circumstances. I can't even see a cloud. but all that's left for me to do is to pray. All that's left me to do is pray. And so I wanna just leave you with that. Just that's where we're going. That's where we're going uh, over these next few minutes. Uh, we, we saw some revivals. We, we heard of some revivals from the, as I've studied some of the revivals, uh, it often, and I'm not gonna say always, but mostly started with a small group of people, uh, often ones and two, often old women, who would just cry out to God, or earnest, passionate people who knew that their only option was to pray. Uh, History of revivals always started small. Uh, We saw the Welsh revival in November, November the 9th, 1904, the edition of the Life Faith. It's a London newspaper which was uh, dedicated to the deeper life movements of the time. And a writer, um, uh, writer Jesse Penn Lewis, reported on the m- remarkable work just beginning in Wales under the ministry of Evan Roberts. She reported that a cloud, no bigger than a man's hand, had arisen in Wales. Uh, and it was just this fitting description of what what God was doing. That small cloud affected a nation. That small beginning became a mighty work. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, in his talk, the famous British uh, Baptist preacher, he was known as the Prince of Preachers, and he used this text as an illustration of the small signs that precede the mighty work of God. He spoke about four certain signs, or token, which clearly precede uh, a great awakening a genuine revival when that's about to come. And uh, I wanted to just show you, Christ, and he said Christians should regard the following things as clouds, as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So we've got, we've got these four things, I just wanted to share, share those with you. Number one, there's this growing dissatisfaction with the present state of things. Anyone feeling that? <laughs> A growing dissatisfaction with the present state of thing, things. I was fascinated by this next line, and an increasingly increasing anxiety among the members of the church. Not full stop, but an anxiety for salvation of souls. And then when this anxiety leads believers to exceedingly earnest and importunate prayer. Number two, I love that. Just that the anxiety for souls rather than anxiety for ourselves. Anxiety for others rather than the narcissism of our, of our culture at the time. Number three, and then when, when ministers begin to take counsel with one another and say, what must we do? Uh, just this week on Tuesday, we met with some of the other vineyard leaders in, the, in London and we were just saying, what's going on? What's happening? And we're saying it's two things. There's there's an acceleration. What God has, what God this time is just an accelerator. In six months, what's happened now could have taken six years or sixteen years. Um, so there's definitely an accelerator that's happening. But also, when fire comes, and we were just sharing that, when fire comes, it comes to burn. It comes to reveal all of the impurities. Um, I remember we've been talking about the crucible. When, that, when the fire comes, all the impurities come to the surface, and that's definitely the case. But also, if we look at the coming church, the, the end time church, it's a church of holiness, a church that's committed to be the bride of Christ, to be ready for the end times. And so we were just saying on Tuesday, what must we do? And then the last one, and when we see the doctrine of the individual responsibility of each Christian fully felt and carried out into individual action, a bit like Kristen was, was saying, we, all of our compassion projects have stopped and it, it's now needed that we have to be the church. We can't just send people to a project or send them to something. We have to be the compassionate individuals that, that Jesus wants to use. And so um, as I talk about... 1 Kings, I'm not going to talk about 1 Kings 18, 19, I'm not going to talk about the whole story, but I just want to tell you a little part of the First Kings 18. Um, I think there might be a slide with the, with the scriptures there. Again, if you don't have a Bible, come and grab one uh, yourself uh, or email us and we can send you a, send you a Bible. First Kings uh, 1, 18, 41 to 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the summit of Carmel, bent down to the ground (laughs) and put his face between his knees. Let me just pause. We've got this picture. We're in the moment of time where the nation is coming out of a drought. Three and a half years, the nation's been in a drought. Uh, but it's a process of rain. It's a process of coming out of the drought. Because it doesn't just happen all at once. It happens in these stages. Let's go on. Verse uh, 43. Elijah tells the king that he hears the sound of abundance of rain. They haven't had rain for three and a half years. And, um, and so this, uh, he sent the servant. And the servant went up and looked and said, there's nothing there. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And on the seventh time, the servant reported a cloud, as small as a man's hand, uh, rising from the sea. And Elijah then said to uh, the servant, go and tell Ahab, prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. (laughs) I love this bit. And meanwhile, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and heavy rain began to fall. So Ahab, he rode ahead to Jezreel, But the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Some versions say the power of the Lord uh, came on Elijah. And he, tucking in his cloak, into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab uh, all the way to Jezreel. I love that. Isn't that cool? Um, Elijah running 17 miles. 17 miles. Not only that, he runs ahead of the king's chariot. He's ready for rain. The power of God became ready ready for rain. Look at your neighbor or across the the church and just say, are you ready for rain? It's nice and sunny. Are you ready for rain? (laughs) But here comes the next question. Are you really? Are you really ready for God's power to pour out? Are you really ready? There's something about the nature of faith that we see that's illustrated by rain here. And we see uh, Elijah saying to Ahab, there's the sound of heavy rain. Uh, when we talk about this, there's this realm of faith to explore. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11 verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Elijah here, he's heard things, but he's not seen it. You and I, we hear things. We have something of God within us, but we may not have seen it yet. When the word of God comes forth into your life, into my life, you may not immediately see a change. Uh, This is what I want to leave you, really. I believe that our situations may not necessarily change until it first produces a change in you. And uh, I wanna just argue that point over the next few minutes. Um, When we see a drought, and uh, we're saying that for three and a half years, this land has been in a drought. For many of us, as, as followers of Jesus, we talk about this dry period in our lives, or this dry season, or I'm just feeling like my soul is dry. Uh, I'm inside of me. I'm I'm just not connecting. I'm doing all the right things. I'm worshipping, I'm praying, I'm reading the scriptures, I'm fellowshipping, I'm ministering. But just inside, I just feel dry. Do you feel that? Is that just me? Do you feel that? Yeah. There's times when, when I can say I feel just dry, but on the flip side, there's times when my circumstances, what I'm not saying is that It's about being bankrupt or marriage falling apart or you're losing a job or... I'm not talking about the circumstances, I'm saying on the inside. You could be on the verge of bankruptcy, losing your job, your marriage, but inside you're you're in a rainforest. There's vibrancy, there's life, there's colour. Your soul is just rich and fulfilled. As well as that, the reverse could be true. Um, One thing I found about dry season is that often People could say to me, um, "Oh, well, on the surface you're doing all right." Uh, often my situation can be doing a whole lot better than my soul. Um, I was with a with a man a couple of weeks ago, and he was just saying, my, "My wife's just about to give birth. Great marriage. My business has just turned over a million pounds." But I'm in a crisis. I'm in a crisis on my own. Um, I found. I found that people can look at our lives and see evidences of success, but if your soul is dry, if my heart is empty, if my motivations are uh, not aligned, I can be winning on the outside but weeping on the inside. Do you ever see that? I can be winning on the outside, but just inside, there's just something, something not right. Um, so I want to speak today. I want to maybe to one or two people how to activate revival faith in a time of dryness. Um, and I I'm going to talk about three things really uh, from this scripture. Three things. Number one um, is number one. What we need is persistent prayer. In verse 44, it says this. It came to pass on the seventh time. Number one, the way to activate revival faith is to pray to have this persistent prayer. And and Elijah, he was just stubbornly, persistently praying. He wouldn't give up. Elijah wouldn't take no for an answer, would he? Because he had this confidence in his God that God would send the rain. And he stubbornly, persistently furthered the will of God by persistent prayer. Just simple as that. Some of the ways to activate faith or revival faith in this time is just to continue to pray. Um Viv and I were talking about this a couple of days ago and I just in the car and I just said, I wonder so he sent the servant seven times. And I just said to Viv, I wonder how many times he would have sent his servant if the servant came back, said, Oh no, it's still blue sky, still blue sky. How many times would he have sent it, sent the servant? And then I said to Viv, I wonder how many times how many servants he would have gone through. In order, because he was there, just persistent in prayer. Number two, uh, I just want to propose there's persistent prayer, but there's also fervent prayer. And uh, there's this cloud, and he sees at the end there's this cloud, the servant, as small as a man's hand, rising out from the sea. Elijah was praying, um, asking in faith that God would send the rain. Elijah obviously sensed that this was the will of God. Remember, faith is the assurance of things not yet seen. He had this assurance of uh, what was going to happen. And uh, I love the way his fervent prayer was. And so it, it says that he, uh, he went up to Mount Carmel, put his face between his knees It doesn't say he kind of now. It just uh, this morning, uh, our dream team who were here earlier. We were doing different um, movements, and um, you have to do Pilates. I was I was going to demonstrate Elijah putting his head between his knees, and I I I I haven't been on those Pilates apps. I'm afraid. Um, I'm definitely not going to do it. (laughs) But there was something that he had this fervency. I'm going to do something. I'm not just going to kneel. I'm not just going to uh, walk. I'm not just going to lift up my hands. I'm not just going to sing. I'm going to do something passionate, different. I'm going to put my hand, my head between my knees and cry out to my God. Do something with passion and fervency. The evidence of rain came slowly But Elijah continued to fervently pray. And again, out of this small evidence, God brought a mighty, mighty work. Okay, persistent prayer, fervent prayer. Number three, faith-filled prayer. So he says to Ahab, go, prepare your chariot, go down there before the rain stops you. Now the servant had just come back and said, yeah, I think there's the cloud it's really small, it's on the horizon, it's coming out of the sea. But Elijah, with faith, just went to Ahab. A storm's coming. He saw that little bit and thought, a storm's coming. He knew a tor- torrent was on the way. Um, I, don't know. I don't know if you know this about Elijah. as Well, uh, uh, 1 Kings eighteen nineteen are fantastic chapters. Take you about 10 minutes to read. It's one of these... Uh, Pinnacle chapters in the scriptures. One of these pillars of, to go to if you want to find out about the power of God, the mighty hand of God, but also how he meet, how God meets people in depression and in anxiety. Fantastic chapters. And in those chapters, you see Elijah being a rainmaker. You see him being a fire starter. But did you know he's also a refugee? See, he's been hiding for three and a half years. Because he called, as a prophet, he called for a drought in the land. Because the people in that land started to, depending on other sources other than God. Um, Much, uh, I'm loving this time because we are now more aligned to the people of God in the Scriptures than any other time. The people of God in the Scriptures were either in exile... They're either confined in the land that they were given. They were told to do... They had rules, so many rules. It's so old covenant, so many rules. Do this, do that. Um, we can align ourselves to, to the people of God in exile. And Elijah now is a man in exile that we can relate to. But God, he called for a drought, and, he's, and he went into hiding. I want to propose this, just as my own thought... I, I, I've known from my life that God has used circumstances in my life to remind me that he is my only source. God has cut me off because he won't allow my life to be sourced by something that c- cannot sustain my life. So just like Elijah, he hid himself away and God cut him off. I want to propose that sometimes things that we do, where we look for other sources of life, God will—he loves us so much that he uh, he wants you to come back to the the one that can give you the only source. And just like Elijah, he's hiding the whole time. And so now the rain has stopped falling. This rainforest—and I know for my life, the rainforest of my soul is now at times a desert. And sometimes the rain, your kind of soul or your what's going on in the inside, it might just feel like I'm just in this season of dryness where God will cut you off. He won't stop loving you. He won't stop providing for you. Um, it's just that God will allow situations to get your attention. And you can pray, you can ask him to change the situation all you want but until you allow him to change you, I want to propose nothing is going to change in your situation. Um, we pray for a lot of people with, for healing. And people come, say, oh, you know, I've, can you just pray for me? Can you pray for me? And we'll pray. They, so they, there's the presenting thing that they want to pray for. Often, when we're praying for individuals for healing, God is doing something a bit deeper. Everyone that came to Jesus, for healing was healed. And in the scripture, that word healing can often be translated as wholeness. It's where we get the the, the Greek word sozo. Saved, healed, delivered, restored. So Jesus would often say, your faith has made you sozo. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is much more interested in your wholeness than the presenting issue or the presenting situation. And so Jesus wants to work for wholeness rather than just changing that particular situation. He's looking for you. He's looking to create wholeness. And so sometimes God will, will prevent, he'll, he might cut you off because he's looking for you to, to come and uh, receive his wholeness. Um, I knew there was a slight challenge to that. And I just want to say for some of you here, I just, as I've been praying, what's fantastic is you all sign up. So I, all get, to, I get to see who, who signs up, and I get to pray for you. I get to pray. Often, um, often on a Sunday, I'll be just praying for every seat that comes here, but now I can just I can see who's coming. And so I've just been praying for you, and I've just been sensing that there's a, there's a number of people that, that it's a time where you're like Elijah, where you just feel a bit cut off. You feel like you're in the cave. You feel like you're isolating even more and more. You're backing, you're backing off even more and more. My, the phrase I've just had from God is, "It's now a time to come out into the light." It's now a time. It's now a time for you. Uh, again, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to just point at you and and do that. Um, but I might come up to you afterwards. <laughs> um, so Elijah, he comes, he comes out of the cave, three and a half years in, in hiding. And again, I'm not talking about, this is a prophetic thing about COVID, three and a half, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that um, God will use situations to bring us back towards toward him. So Elijah comes forth and he presents himself to Ahab uh, and, uh, and, and the queen as well, Bathsheba, uh, that the king and the queen, whose wickedness in the land, was responsible for a nation's famine. He comes boldly and he calls for a summit. He has this standoff between uh, between the prophets of Baal and himself, and, and God always, always wins. By this time, he's had three and a half years of surviving. Um, I was thinking about that show. There's a show called Hunted on... I don't know, Channel 4, has anyone seen that Hunted? Where, where individuals have to kind of go off for like 20 days or 30 days and there's all surveillance and there's all people on helicopters and they always end up in some speedboat at the end. Um, or if you've, if you've ever watched any programme by Bear Grylls, you know, that every programme he does is he's surviving something or he's getting people dropped in some island to survive. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not really that connected with nature. I, I mean, survival... I, I'm not sure I could handle crickets and a vegan diet, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd do very well. Hunted, I'd be quite up for, being chased, and, but being on a desert island with just vegetables might not, might not be good for me. Um, I'm going off on, on a few days break tonight, I'm, go- I'm going off, um, I like camping but in a cold October, a private room in the middle of the country with heat and pillows, <laughs> a bit more appealing than surviving um, and I, I just want to take a few days where I can just pray, write, read, worship and walk really, uh, is a lot more appealing than, than surviving. But Elijah here, he's, got, he's a prophet, and he's got skills for survival. He's now got skills for dry times. And he did it uh, by obeying the voice of God. And um, uh, in, the, in the chapter, 1 Kings 18, 19, the Lord told him to go to a brook, told him, and told him to have, go to a brook and have birds feed him breakfast. And you get this picture of these birds dropping like bourbon biscuits or hobnobs. Uh, they, like he's just been fed by these ravens. Uh, I thought it's strange that God would dro- would use ravens because biblically you'd go dove an eagle. Those are kind of birds, but ravens biblically are dirty birds. They're not the birds that I would send to provide. Elijah with he got these birds dropping off like jammy dodgers and you know all of those kind of things and like God and so I was just asking God why why these birds there must be something about these birds and then I was just reading that then the the brook dries up and so then God sends Elijah to a widow and I'm like "Why, why would you send Elijah to a widow why wouldn't you just send him to a banqueting table and just, uh, I was telling Rachel earlier, when lockdown's over, I just want to have a big banqueting table, like buffet style, and everyone just help yourself, take what you want, help yourself, and I was like, why doesn't Elijah, why doesn't God send him to somewhere like that, but he sends him to a widow, and I just felt God saying that sometimes God will send us to someone with a greater need than ourselves in order to show us um, how great his supply is. Uh, by sending us, to, how, great, how great his supply is by sending us to someone with a greater need um, you had to begin with. And as you go and just see that there's other people in need, it will sh- it will, God was saying it will show you and demonstrate that he can use you in any situation. I've been, I've been in a lot of pain, physically, physical pain, during lockdown. I, uh, at football back in February, um, I'm not going to name who it was, uh, but they um, badly injured, broke my toe, broke my big toe. And so I've been sort of limping uh, ever since, and uh, I've seen a chiropractor the last six, seven weeks who's been trying to shift my back and I haven't been able to do any exercise. I was due to play football last week for the first time, Monday night, tomorrow night, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but I was due to come last week and I was really excited to play with, uh, I've got Jonty behind the camera. Normally Jonty and I have to be on the same team because on opposite teams we're, it gets a bit spicy. <laughs> Um, and I was so excited and on Sunday, last Sunday, I slipped on my stairs and banged, banged on my tiles on the, on the floor and banged my head and I was out for the count. I was really like, oh, this, uh, more pain, more pain. Uh, But I've been noticing that God has been using me, even though I've been in a lot of pain, I haven't really been sleeping very well, God has been using me to heal people. And I've seen a lot of people healed recently, which is ironic because I'm in a load of pain, but God is somehow using me to to heal people. And I was just reflecting that God is just making me see that there's other people with a greater need than, than I have. And so to take my eyes off myself and to, that God would use me to, to extend. And I just want to propose that sometimes God will use us as we obey him, as we obey his word, but also as we just give away what Jesus' love, love is all about. So let me go back. I'm going off-paste. So this exile, this refugee, had learned to hear the voice of God, even in the dry periods. What I want you to do is do this activation over this next month, if you would, if you're willing, if you're able to, if you remember. I want you to look at your life, that everything in your life that looks stupid, or small, or insignificant, or it's not really worth thinking about. I want you to think about everything that you're doing in your life right now. I said to Viv a couple of weeks ago that I, I'm perfectly positioned because of all of my pain, my sleep deprivation. I said I'm perfectly positioned for God to produce a miracle in my life. I'm, per, I'm like perfectly positioned for God to kind of come through. And I just felt God say, just start thanking me for the small things. Thanking me for those things that are insignificant. Don't worry about those big, mighty things that... Uh, you've got thoughts about but just thank me for for those things Um, I know moms feel like this dads feel like this I know that employees in jobs I know that you feel like these these small insignificant things that you and I do I know couples trying to get out of debt feel this I know that people that are believing God uh, to bless them in a bigger way feel like this And I know those small spaces in your life, those things that are small, size a cloud that's small. I want you to make this confession over your life, over the next 30 days. I want you to say, I think there's a slide, this is significant. That's all you've got to say, this is significant. Running a vacuum cleaner, this is significant. Changing a nappy, This is significant. Putting your phone down for 10 minutes and waiting on the Lord or reading the scripture, this is significant. Completing targets, reconciling accounts, processing orders, this is significant. Because I I believe the devil won't like it when you say that, because it's the way he gets us to leave our assignment, if you like, or our purpose. It's to think these small things have got no significance. God uses those small things to produce bigger, mighty, mighty works. And it doesn't matter what you're working on. It may be so small, but I want to say this is significant. So say this with me. This is significant. Great, you're awake. Uh, As I said at the beginning, revival always starts small. Always starts within. This is significant. Change in situations and circumstances always start within. God is working towards your wholeness. He's more interested in your wholeness than the circumstances around. He's more interested in your wholeness. Um, if you ever wanted a, I don't know, a new car, new bike, new jacket, new product. And um, the next thing you know, you just see it everywhere. A couple of years ago, we, we got a, a, a car, and before we got that, I just saw this car everywhere. Do you ever see that? Where we just, I see it everywhere. It's like Google had done some algorithm in my brain, and like, made put all these cars on the road. I, whether we're gonna get that at some point. I remember, um, A few weeks ago, I said to Viv, had my phone with me, and I said to Viv, oh, I'm looking for this piece on my circular saw. I opened up Facebook a couple of days later, and there was an advert for that piece on the jigsaw. I've started saying to my phone, free Lexus car. Free, (laughs) free car. (laughs) I'm just hoping for some algorithm to kind of, free car. Um, but when I, when I started searching for the car, I started seeing it. When I started searching, and this is like the faith bit, when, I st- when you start, you started seeing it when you started searching it. And I want to propose that some of us, we can just start searching again, searching and seeking again. If you want your life to matter, make it matter. Um, someone said to me, and many people have had people pray over us, um, just different things that are going on. And what would it look like to be that man that people have prophesied about? Or be that woman that God has called you to be? What would that look like now? I'm going to ask the, the worship band to come, to come up. Uh, and I just want to say, a bit like I said at the beginning, there is a cloud. In all of our lives there is a cloud just close your eyes I'm just gonna pray God I see my circumstances I can't see sometimes what you're doing but I know that you're proving that you're the God that comes through imagine right now you're just receiving from the Lord Just make a response. I see God a cloud. I'm going to pray persistently, fervently, faith-filled. I believe you're the God that comes through.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.